I want to show you something today that I think is profound. Uh, it's a study that um, won't take you long to get because it has one big point. Repeat the topic with me, please. Say fight, fight. with the right definitions. In life, you come to moments when you're going to have conflict, and that's where we are in our series. And if you saw our graphic, it basically says, rethink how we fight. That is our main theme for this season. And for the next uh, several weeks, we're going to embark upon an effort to show you how to fight. And my goal is to get you to rethink how you fight. Now, fighting is inevitable. It's not something you can avoid. But making sure you fight the right fight is crucial. And it is my argument today that you fight based upon your definitions. If you have the right definitions, if you have a wise definition, you will fight wise causes. If you have foolish definitions, you will fight for foolish causes. The key thing is wisdom. And wisdom leads, I believe, to good definitions. The word wisdom simply means good judgment. Everybody say it with me, please. Come on. Good judgment. Another way of saying it, and this is literally the Hebrew definition. It means good sense. A person who has good sense defines things in a good way. A person who has good understanding. Now, you can go back in your life and you can say, at certain seasons in my life, I had the wrong definition for love, for life, for marriage. I, I worried about things I shouldn't have worried about. My definitions were wrong. Are you tracking with me? I thought it was this way, but it's really that way. So what I want to do is give you uh, a few of what I call um, good definitions or questions that will help you see how they affect your life. So remember, our big question today is, how do you define the important areas of your life? I want you to think this through with me. Do you define them properly? For example, how you define love affects how you show love. If love to you is you give to me, if you love me, you give to me, then everybody that gives to you, you think loves you. How you define romance affects how you romance. If romance to you is one way, and you find this out in marriage, I'm telling you, you get married, you come in the single, on the single ship, and you land on the shores of marriage, and you think you know how to be romantic, you don't know what you're doing. You think you do, but as you engage on a daily basis and you shape your definitions and you see how the person defines romance, you find that you're often on different sides of the bridge. How you define it, how they define it is not the same. And that's, that's what breeds conflict because you feel like you're not being what I need you to be. How you define work affects how you work. If you believe they hired you to correct them, then you'll correct everybody at work because that's why they hired you. you if you define work as a place you must go and overdo it, you will always do it. How you define offense affects what offends you. So if, if for you certain words are offensive, um, it just, it, for example, if a person said certain things to me, that, that would be normal in your family but they wouldn't be normal in mine. They might make me step back. For you, it's a joke. How you define fair affects what you call unfair. And it's only the way you define it. And I want you to do this for me, because this is, this is really important. 
Now, this is an important drill. Don't just watch me, okay? Say, that's just me. Come on. That's just me. One more time. Come on, say, that's just me. That's just me. Understand, it has nothing to do with right or wrong. This is how you define it. And when you get into these different family units, marriage is a great one, or just friendships, you see it. My mother defined cleaning as something you did with a dish rag, a wash towel, whatever you call it. What do you call that thing in the kitchen? Dish cloth. There you go. We call it dish rag. I'm sorry. That's cloth if you high class. Anyway, so, <clears throat> so we, we would, we would uh, my, that was my mother's way. And so my mother, you know how mothers, when they get, get your sons get married, they say things low. Only the son can hear it. The wife can't hear it. She said, what kind of woman don't have a dish rag in a kitchen? And my wife, who majored in science and who just has all these images in her head from her scientific research, she won't paper towels. She throws everything away. She wouldn't have a dish. Nothing wrong with it. If you come to your house, you got one, it's good. As long as you wash it and don't leave it there for four weeks. Come on, say amen. You, hear me? you know how sometimes you forget and you wash all the dishes for a week with the same dish rag or cloth. And so... <laughs> But it's all about definitions. Yeah, I mean, I, I've, been, I've, been, I've been to people's houses, and, and, uh, and, and you know, I, 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 was, uh, I, well, I, was, I was at a person's house, i say that. And they were talking to me, and they said, you want something to eat, Pastor Rick? I said, I was, I was about to say yes, and I saw a roach. And I said, and I said oh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm fasting right now. I'm, hallelujah. What's wrong, Pastor? What's wrong? What's wrong? Nothing wrong. Nothing. Nothing. Let's go wash your hand, praise God. Just... It didn't bother them. They didn't. It's like that was, uh, that's no problem, Pastor Ricky. They always show up around here. It's, it's, just, it's just all in here. It's all right. They try to shake your hands. Let's pray, Father. Let's bow your hand. Now, let, let, now let's pray right now. I won't shake your hand. We're going to pray. And it's, no, it's normal to them. Now, act like you never start roaching your house. That's fine. That's all good. Act like you don't know what I'm talking about. How you define availability can affect your level of success. If you think everybody has to have access to you all the time, or you're not a good person. That if, he, if you ever don't answer your phone, you're sinning. If you don't respond to a text right away, you're, you, you disobeyed God or something. You, you're always available. That's why you're always tired. I'm not tired. I sleep. I put my phone on, on, on Sabbath. Punishment. You need to stay in this drawer. Close the door. This is the devil. And then you get an Apple Watch and it's shaking, shaking your arm and you just can't, you're always, always talking to somebody. Every now and then, and, and it's a great, you know, I like gadgets, but it, every now and then you need to pause and redefine availability. And I have to help people with that. If you define, how you define family can affect the way you, your family relates. Many, many families are distant. They have views about when kids get a certain age, they should do certain things and and there's just, a, a, in my opinion, a very unhealthy definition of family that's been passed down from generation to generation that's never been challenged. If it's not working well, maybe this is not the way we should do it. And family rules don't work for every child in the family. Some kids need to be homeschooled. And it shouldn't be a family rule that nobody is if that kid needs it. You have to pause, and if you really want success, how you define membership affects the kind of church you have. Our church is going to a new membership process starting today, going forward. And we have what we call membership appointments. We want to know people. 
So if you want to join, in, you know, in the sleep pocket, now I heard there wasn't some in the other service. Hope there's some today. But the little blue cards, and the little blue cards are get connected cards. And find one, and if you want to join, you fill it out, and you drop it in, and you get to meet me. I get, to, I get to meet you. Now, we have group membership classes, and we have probably close to 100 people in process, close to that 75 or so. What, what is it now? Oh, it's 30. We don't got them all in. It's 33. We have, how many has joined already this year? 71. So we have 33. And, and now we, can, we can have, if I try it, we, we, sometimes we have 300, 200. And I've slowed the process down because I said, I don't know anybody. So we don't have as many classes as we used to. We can't, but I'm, I've decided after, I, I, went, I, I won't tell you where I saw this, but I, I, well, I went to a church. And I saw this amazing process where you're forced to get to know people. Last year, you, you have 200. Then the year before that, you have 200. Before you know it, you got 400 people you don't know. How many want to get to know each other? Raise your hand. How many don't care? No, don't raise your hand. No. <laughs> so there's membership appointments. And, and, and some of them will come to your house. Some of them, you come, you come here, we'll meet you. We'll, we'll figure out where we meet. But there's something about taking membership to a new place. How, if you define membership as signing on, on a piece of paper, and that's all you are, but you're not a part of the army. I want people to want to join me to help touch the community. I want people to want to join me to help raise resources to do great things in the world. I want people to want to travel to the mission field. I want people that want, anybody hear me say amen? Do you hear me? There's something about that kind of membership. And so we're going to have group gatherings. We have a big one in December. But I, I want to see all of us change. Now, a lot, a lot of pastors, we have 3,200 active members, and we purge our list every year. You come in small groups. I don't want to have 4,200 members I don't know. I don't want to have 5,000 members I don't know. Now, you don't have to all know me, but you at least need to know each other. Tell your neighbor your name. Say, hello, how are you? My name is. Tell them, come on, say, my name is. <laughs> now, 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 let me, now, let me help you. Look, look friendly when you do that. <laughs> Smile when you do that. It's not all about knowing Pastor Rick, because I'm not the army. We are the army. Come on, say amen. Can you give the Lord a big hand clap if you hear what I'm saying to you? Come on, give the Lord a big hand clap if you hear what I'm saying to you. There's a whole lot you can look at in your life. Do you define stopping work as a sign of defeat? Do you define vacation as a wasted investment? How do you define things affects you? Now, I want to close with Proverbs chapter 1. I want to show you a principle in Proverbs chapter 1 that I think summarizes uh, this whole idea of the importance of wisdom. Because wisdom is going to help you make the right choices. It's going to help you define things properly. If I give you the right amount of information, you'll have enough information to make the right choice. And I want to show you a principle. I read this verse for years, started reading this as a teenager, and this verse really speaks to me. Let me show you what it said. There's six things I want you to remember. And I'm going to read a few verses, and I'm going to ask you a question. So follow me with the first one. Verse 20 of Proverbs chapter 1 says, Wisdom calls aloud outside. Personify wisdom. Solomon starts the book of Proverbs off and says, I want you to see wisdom as a person. And pretend this person called wisdom is outside in the street crying out, and she raises her voice in the open squares. She cries out in the chief concourses, at the openings of the gates in the city. She speaks her words, and here's what she says. How long, simple ones, will you love simplicity? And scorners delight in your scorning. And fools hate knowledge. That's what wisdom's saying. 
Have you ever, do you remember the times when wisdom called for you? Can you go back in your mind and say, I heard wisdom calling me and challenging me to change my definitions. Do you remember that? I mean, you can go back in your mind. I can't. I can remember times, distinct times, when, when wisdom sat me down in a bookstore and I read one book called The Debt Squeeze by Ron Blue. And that was wisdom crying out saying, don't get in debt. Crying out in the street. I felt so guilty when I read the book because I read the whole thing in the bookstore while I was looking for music. I bought the book. But I read every word of it, and I remember thinking, how profound. It was a small book, don't get impressed. It was not that big. But it, was, it, it moved me, and it made me think. That was wisdom. Do you remember the time wisdom was crying out for you in the street? Do you remember, do you remember people who tried to teach you wise definitions, who tried to show you how to define things? Look at verse 23 of Proverbs chapter 1. Here's what wisdom cried out. Turn at my rebuke. Surely I will pour my spirit on you. I will make my words known to you. Because I've called and you refused, I've stretched out my hand and no one regarded. Because you disdained all my counsel and would have none of my rebuke. Do you remember the time when someone tried to teach you this and you, you refused to listen to them? Who can you name in your life that pulled you aside and tried to say, don't date this person? Whatever you do, don't marry this person. Now, if they're sitting next to you, just keep looking straight. <laughs> do you remember someone and you wouldn't have none of their rebuke? Thirdly, do you remember finding humor in the choices of people who would not change their life definitions? Now, this verse, verse 26, always puzzled me because I didn't connect like I should have connected. Wisdom is the one crying in the street. Solomon has personified a woman named Wisdom and said she's crying in the street, and he says, I didn't listen to her. And then, then he says this amazing thing. I will laugh at your calamity in verse 26. Have you ever seen somebody do something you say, all right now, okay. <laughs> all right now, if you, you get on that freeway again with that little bit of gas and run out, don't call me. You're going to have to call AAA. I came and got you one time, but I'm not leaving my paying job because you're trying to get to your paying job, and you know you have a little bit of gas, and you got money in your car. I'll be fine. I'm praying. I'm believing God. Okay, now, have you ever chuckled, laughed? This is a verse that is not designed to be mean. This is a verse to bring clarity to a principle. That you, you, you can make yourself part of the comedy show in heaven by making unwise decisions and having foolish definitions. So you really think you can go to college, pay all that money, not do homework, and pass because you're cool. Do you, you really define yourself as someone so together that you get some kind of pass? That, my friend, is the wrong definition. And I look at people sometimes, and you have to chuckle and say, <laughs> you really believe that? You really believe this guy who never worked is going to work now all of a sudden? You really believe that if she hits you before you married her, she won't hit you when you get married? You really believe that? 
Everybody say wrong definition. Come on. It affects everything. And I have to step back, and I've been doing this this whole week. Temple, are your definitions right? Do you remember people who define instruction as a bad thing? Verse 29, they hated knowledge. You know, do you remember people like that? They hated knowledge. Were you one of those people? Do you remember people who are full of themselves? I love verse 31. It makes a profound statement. They shall eat the fruit of their own way. Say that with me, please. Come on. They shall eat the fruit of their own way. You know, people, do you remember people who are so full of themselves? Wisdom's trying to talk to them. Wisdom's trying to communicate with them, but they hate knowledge. They're full of themselves. And let me tell you, I believe that Christians are, are very vulnerable to this problem because you're so full of God. You're so close to Jesus. You're saved. Everybody else is lost. And you're saved. And if you're not careful, you'll misunderstand what that means. He saved you. You don't have some holy title that makes you better than people. You were drowning and he pulled you out of the water, put you on the shore. So you can't you can't look over at somebody in the water and say, <coughs> I'm saved. You just barely got here. You didn't do it because you're holy. You don't need to get up and dance around and, and laugh at other people who have issues. There's something about understanding this profound moment when you can get so full of yourself that you lose sight. And here's what he said. They shall eat the fruit of their own way and be filled, filled to the full with their own fancies. For the turning away of the simple will slay them and the complacency of fools will destroy them. It's, 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 it's this complacent attitude. It's this foolish attitude. It's these unwise definitions that will plague them. I see it all the time. I see it with the girls walking through the malls and high heels hurting their feet, trying to get some boy who ain't got no money to his attention. <laughs> and I want to say, girl, wrong definition. You take them shoes off. I know you're ouching and ouching. I know you're hurting. <laughs> wrong definition. Cool is not what you think it is, Joan. Do you remember people who define things wisely? Think of somebody who listened. Think of somebody who feels safe when you look at them. That's what he says happens in verse 33. Whoever listens to me will dwell safely, but he will, secure, he, but, but will be secure without fear of evil. There's something about getting it right. It's almost like that's why I like aging. I like getting older because somehow I, I'm, not, I'm not bound by certain assumptions anymore. You really do. I mean, I, I appreciate you feeling like youth is the way, but man, it's the dumbest you're going to ever be in your life. <laughs> right now, this is the dumbest you're going to ever be in your life. I'm telling you, you're never going to be this dumb again. You, you, you're never going to think this way again. You're never going to be this naive. Nobody's ever going to feed you for free. Nobody's ever going to put up with you. Nobody, nobody is ever going to give you a car to drive with their name on it and you pay, and they pay the insurance and the gas and all that, and that's, that day is gone away forever. You never, ever, ever again. Never. It's over. It's done. You are, and, and I mean at 57, this is the dumbest I will ever be. When I get 67, I'll be wise. I'm not just talking about you. I get the point. The older I get, the wiser I get. And the, better, and the, and the more my definitions change. When you're in high school, the most important time in your life is going to the prom. After so which you lose the pictures, don't know who it was, and you don't remember anything. Hardly did it happen. And come on, say amen. Amen. I'm telling you, it's amazing how you so so important to go to college. The first got to get there, and then you freshman first orientation. You, look, all of that disappears when you get your first assignment. 
and the professor walk in there and show you that syllabus and show you what you got to do, and your jaw drop down, and you, and you realize this is work, this is not a joke, and you realize you're handsome and cute and all that won't make it, make it, and when you get finished with college, you walk across that stage, and you get on the other side, and the student loans are due, all that going to change. Everything going to change. All your attitudes, all your views are going to change. When they send that letter in the mail, say, hi there, nice to meet you, glad you graduated. We need our money right now, praise God. Please call this number for arrangements. I mean, that, see, now it all makes sense. Now it's going to all make sense. You got to call back, hey, you know, things are tight. Could you help us out? Yeah, uh-huh. Thank you, Jesus. Everything changes as you get older. So I understand that I'm getting wiser as I grow. And what's, what, what the most amazing thing that I'm learning is all my definitions are changing. When you first, you first start a business, you hire everybody. You want all the staff you can. You want a big posse. All you got to do is pay payroll pay them taxes, deal with all those issues. All you got to do is do all the labor rules. All you got to deal with that. You want a small group. Everything changes as you become more responsible. Get your first house. That's all you got to do. Your grass keeps growing. Look at it. See if it go down. Go down. Go down. Go down. Go down. Your definitions change. Your views change. Everything in you changes. Have some pain. All you got to do is get a little old and things start hurting you. You don't have to take care of yourself. Eat all the things you want to eat. Slurp it down. It tastes good. I know. I hear you. That's all. We wake up that morning. Oh, what's that? Jesus, that's a new one. That's a new one. That's a new one. That's a new one. I never had that one right there. One hit me right there one time. I said, oh, Jesus. I was up preaching. I said, wow, what's that? What's that? What's that? That's the devil. Devil in my leg. Devil in my leg. Oh, my back. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, man. And, and, and you ever get lightheaded? And lightheaded. Thanks, Doc. Let me say, Pastor Rick, he must be jacked up. No, I'm just trying to tell you, as you get older, you sit down to look at that food. You know you do. You pray for real. In the name of Jesus. And you look at them fries. I know we got fries today, but you understand what I'm saying. <laughs> Y'all get them fries now. We got fries today now. <laughs> the truck outside. They going to talk y'all away from the food. Ain't nobody going to buy nothing when I'm finished. They gonna, all the business going out the window. The point I'm making, the big point is, I won't say this in the next service. The big point is, <laughs> you, you really need to think about what you're doing. Amen. My definitions have broadened and changed. I wrote down a list of things. I'm done. I really am done. I got about three minutes here. These are what I thought would be questions you might ask me. I don't have time to open the floor, but you might say, Pastor, Define some things for me then. Since you said we get our definitions wrong and how our definitions affects how we feel, define for me, Pastor, the role of a husband and a father. Quick answer would be many fathers define themselves as providers. And I say to you all the time, you're a guider. You're not just a provider. It's not just about bringing a paycheck home. It's bringing your mind home. Pastor, define the role of an employee with a concern for your company. Well, as an employee in a company, you, they hired you to be an employee, not to be the boss. Don't ever forget that. They did not hire you. I mentioned this earlier. They didn't hire you to be the critic. Number three, pastor, define the role of a child. Is it ever their role to correct a parent? Well, no. In a parent's mind, probably not. Parents have, 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 have a little mountain they have to climb. But I, I've learned that, that that's... Not always true. My, my kids have, a, have an opinion. My, 
Ricky started this with me. Can I have an opinion? Can I have an opinion? And I learned as a parent that I need to listen to how they see the world. It's not just what I say. I can cheat and say, look, you don't have a job. You live well on me. And you heard Pastor Rick today. This is your last free ride. So based on that information, I am the king of this castle. See, that's wrong. That's a wrong approach. You're teaching them to, to have an opinion, create an environment where it works. Create an environment. I asked Christina the other day, I said, what is it in, in our marriage uh, that has affected how you view relationships? She said, you know, and in terms of our relationship, she said, you let my mother have an opinion. I can, I can be like this and she can be in jeans. Go, girl. It's what you do, baby. You, you, you. There's something about letting a person be who they are. And, and, and so what's interesting is looking, looking at how our lives help her define her future. And if I'm domineering and I don't give her a voice or my kids a voice and I'm the, I'm the guy with the money, I'm the guy with whatever. Or, and see, what happens is when it switches and the woman's got that power, then you have this incredible dysfunction because all your definitions are wrong. Fight with the right definitions. Wise definitions that are good and true. And it changes everything. If you get the wrong definitions, you get the wrong mindsets, everything falls apart. Last two, pastor define love for me. <laughs> That's tough, isn't it? You in love. Love means you give me money to some people. Love means. Uh, here's what I want you to make sure you do. Before you, quote, fall in love with somebody, learn how they define love. I'm going to teach on that more later. Number five, pastor define a healthy sexual attitude. Well, you got to come back in September for that one. In September, I'm doing a series called Bedroom Blindness. Everybody say, please come on. It's a few weeks away. I'm going to talk to you about sexuality. Now, if you don't want to come to church, I understand. Because the first week, I'm going to talk about why leaders fall morally. I'm going to talk about leadership. I'm going to start with people like me. And then I have some other treats coming for you. I got some friends from overseas that are going to be here with me. And I'm going to give you a foreign perspective. And I want you to understand the power of having the right attitude. Churches, families are all destroyed. A lot of ministers are destroyed because they have a wrong sexual attitude. And a lot of you young people, you're sincere, but you have a wrong attitude toward this area of your life. But I believe if you get the right definition, you'll make the right choices. I've said enough. Did you learn something today? Yes. Come on. Did you learn something today? <laughs> Praise God. Father, I thank you for the word today and all that's been said. We thank you for all that has been done. We thank you for the music. We thank you for all the messages we've heard, the testimonies. We thank you for the great faith testimony we heard that made it clear that sometimes you've got to believe God. We thank you for all the worship. We pray that people would leave here today and say, maybe I'm angry because my definitions are wrong. If I change my definition, I would be offended. Lord, maybe this is a day someone could, could say, you know, Pastor, I feel what you said. And I, I, I'm going to review how I define love. Maybe they do love me, but they don't love me the way I define love. And that doesn't make it wrong the way they love. It's just not me. So, Lord, help them, help us 
all today to rethink our definitions. Now, with every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, there's someone here that doesn't know you, Savior. They've defined their walk with you in a way that now they need to review. They realize after hearing this message, I'm not really walking with God. I'm walking with me. I have my own definition of a relationship with God, but not God's definition. I've never surrendered my life to him. I've never asked him to be the Lord of my life. If you're here today and you want to start a life with Jesus, you want to get your life going in the right direction spiritually, you want me to pray for you. Whether you're home or here, I want you to raise your hand. I want to pray for you. Say, Pastor, that's me. Pray, pray this prayer for me today. Anybody say, Pastor, pray for me today. My life needs a new definition. I see your hand. Anybody else? Pray for me today. I see you. Anybody else? Pray for me, Pastor. Anybody else? Pray for me. I need my life to change its direction. Now, those who raised their hand and those who raised their hearts, let's pray together. Father, we thank you for those who come today and said, I need to make a change in my life direction. I pray your blessings upon this time. I pray healing and forgiveness. Jesus died for their sins, died to give them a new beginning. So we bless them and we thank you for them in Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. amen. All right. God bless.